What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Double Coverage. We hope you're still living, loving, and breathing sport. I'm Dom with the Great Man Sauce, and we have a treat in store for you today in our Christmas special. What well, is going on, Doma? Big one today. Big one. Welcome to Buster Share. What is going on? <laughs> What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, massive. Uh, we're so excited to have you on today. Um, just going to run through some questions, talk some hoops, talk some cards. Uh, we've seen some interesting stuff posted by yourself in terms of like your personal collection. So it'd be good to discuss a few of those things. We talk any cards, not just sports. So we will talk about some presidential cards that you, uh, you've been collecting, which is awesome. But uh, we'll just get straight into it. Uh, you've got one of the most interesting stories starting from a young age. If you can just give some uh, background info into how you started Hoops Nation and just how you progressed through your career. Yeah, totally. So I, I started a, a fantasy basketball outlet when I was like 13, 14 years old. It was it, it originated because all of my friends were into fantasy football. And fantasy football back in like 2013, 14, had a ton of coverage. Every outlet was talking about it. You could find it anywhere. You could get all the info you wanted. But that didn't exist for what I liked. I wasn't a football guy. I was a basketball guy. I still am. And I, you know, given that nobody else was caring about it, I thought, you know, why not me? So I just started blogging about fantasy basketball when, when I was, you know, back younger and uh and was doing that for about a year year and a half around that time my family and i we moved to connecticut and i always thought i was going to be a play-by-play -play broadcaster well i thought i was going to be the point guard for the new york knicks but second i thought i was going to be a play-by-play -play broadcaster lucky and that you're not, I, not not the point guard for the knicks that's you probably saved yourself there <laughs> you, you might be right about that but <laughs> but i i didn't make my jv basketball team my sophomore year of high school I did not, you know, then grow six inches and come back like Michael Jordan. I didn't do any of that. I went in the opposite direction. I started calling, doing play-by-play -play broadcasting for the girls' JV field hockey games <laughs> on local radio. And I kid you not, I thought at that point I had made it just because I was I was doing doing that. Even though I didn't know the sport, any of the players, any of the rules, I was just having a good time and thought thought that that was the pinnacle. But Slowly started broadcasting my way up to doing the football and basketball games. And around the same time, I had taken that fantasy outlet and turned it into an all-NBA encompassing one called All-NBA All Day. That was what it was called back on Facebook. And then from doing more of the broadcasting stuff, the play-by-play, um, and doing this online Facebook outlet, I realized that I could sort of merge the two together and start doing live broadcasts, talking about basketball, as with me, myself, as the talent. I started doing that. Some bigger pages took notice. They had me start streaming on their pages, and I didn't. I never took any pay for it. All I wanted was to be able to promote my own outlet. So through that, I was really able to build up this all-NBA all-day thing, and I also realized that I should build an outlet that covers all levels of basketball, not just the NBA. And that's that's how Hoops Nation came to be. I don't I don't want to bore bore you guys with too much uh, of the the details, but but that's that's kind of the origin story for for the Hoops Nation side of things. But uh, these days I'm I'm doing a, a lot of different stuff. But that that that's the origin story of Hoops Nation. 
Uh, definitely got a lot on the go at the moment. We saw that you've got, we'll talk about it just a bit later, but uh, obviously you've got another affiliate page to Hoops Nation now. Uh, you've got your podcast. You're a very busy man, which is uh, which is awesome. Starting out from literally uh, doing play-by-play, like you said, for hockey and through that uh, fantasy Facebook page. So it's just awesome. Uh, your story is fantastic. But another thing I noticed was uh, you've worked at a few companies doing internships, and I just wanted to just uh, get you to explain to people that are listening or, or watching what it was like to work at companies such as uh, VaynerMedia, where you interned at 16, uh, Dunk, Atlantic, and Overtime. So just a bit of an inter- like what skills did you learn? Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So one, one thing that I would definitely recommend to anybody under the age of 18 would be to spend your entire summers and as much time as you can interning at as many different companies as you possibly can. And to put that as a priority over money, put the experience over money when you don't need money. Sounds straightforward, but I think that that is, it helped me a lot. So I think it would definitely help other people. But in terms of your question, um, so I, I interned at VaynerMedia working in a subdivision called Vayner Talent, and that was great because I really looked up to Gary and to be to be able to be in in that world, uh, seeing kind of how things moved and how different it was than I expected. Um, but how much you know I learned from that experience was was just so so great, and I'm very grateful that they had me. Um, and then over time, similar situation, they only had seven employees at the time. So to see a company like that at its very beginning stages, you know, the founder, Dan, he told me exactly what they were going to do before they did it, you know, saying that it was going to be the biggest media outlet for high school sports and beyond. They did it. Now they have like 150 employees. It's insane. So to wow. see see kind of the beginnings of that was really cool. And then uh, Dunk is that that's my brother, Elliot. He's he's the man. And. We've been we've been doing stuff together since I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, and then Atlantic, I never actually I never uh, interned or did anything at Atlantic, but I work with them all the time on on promoting uh, hip hop artists across social media. That's like another little little business thing that, that that I do, helping both for pop artists and hip hop artists through different record labels when they have new releases. I'll take those songs, put them over the tops so of sports highlights, memes, clips. And then distribute those across social, so people know that they've they've got new stuff. Very nice, awesome, awesome. very very nice. We actually interviewed someone uh, recently uh, here in Australia, and just a bit off topic, but he was talking about him and his mate uh, are really really big into hip hop music, and his friend was talking to him about potentially collecting hip hop cards, so mm-hmm. he. And he was like, you know, they, they do exist. They do exist, uh, he was telling him. Uh, just your thoughts on hip-hop cards. As we know, there's always something for someone to collect in the card hobby. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yeah, so I definitely think it'll be done at some point. But the problem with hip-hop cards in contrast to sports cards is there's no hip-hop league. So you have to go and get – you have to pay every individual person. Like Panini pays the NBA. They don't pay – LeBron, Clay Thompson, Curry, Harden, Durant, they don't have to pay them individually, they just pay the NBA a lump sum. Whereas in in hip hop or in music, there's no league that bonds everybody together. There's no 
you know, authoritarian organization that you could throw money at and then get everybody under the sun. You know, theoretically, you could do that with a record label, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Um, it wouldn't really make sense. So in terms of how much money it would take, it's really, really complicated on the hip hop card front, but it's a great idea. I think it'll be done eventually, and hopefully I help out with it when it does. Definitely. Maybe uh, just food for thought, even for yourself, potentially, I don't know, someone like a Tyson Beck, for example, mm -hmm. uh, where it's not yeah. a company, it's not actually a company. As we're seeing more and more artists like card artists coming into the market now, uh, it could even potentially be someone like a Tyson Beck that get the rights to a hip-hop artist and they create a few designs and a couple of print runs and then some limited stuff. So it could be something like that where it's, it stops a company like Panini uh, dropping like lump sums, like you're saying there isn't a hip hop league. So potentially that could be the future. Who knows? Well, time will tell, I guess. So throw these oh, ideas out there. Hopefully Tyson hears this and uh, goes <laughs> out there and uh, try, tries to get, uh, you know, Drake or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He partners up with Buster and then, Match made in heaven. It's <laughs> funny. Um, but, you know, there is, I will say, though, I don't know if you guys have heard of this thing, but it's called the Crew League. And it was a basketball tournament. We just did season one. Um, I actually broadcasted it. So I went back to my play-by-play my -play roots. But uh, it's rappers and their entourages playing basketball against each other, four-on-four. Four. Sway Lee's team won. But, so maybe that is the league right there. The Crew League. The Crew yeah, League. Like there you it. go. Uh, definitely. Uh, the future of Hoops Nation. Before we get into massive card talk here, obviously we'll get the, the general stuff out of the way. Uh, just the future of Hoops Nation. What do you eventually envision it becoming? Uh, becoming sorry, uh, for yourself personally, but for obviously everyone following you. Yeah, so Hoops Nation, now I'm personally pretty removed from it. I have my team doing all the posting and, and content stuff, and I'm more focused on both, you know, building out, you know, ways for us to do original content with NBA guys and cool, unique stuff, differentiating um, and, and being able to, you know, make products that really resonate with the people and more DTC stuff. Um, but also uh, beyond just like expanding to other platforms and, and trying to be ahead of things, um, building out some of those subsidiaries. So Cards Nation being one, Travel Nation is going to be the next one, which is like the nature travel uh, element of things. So diving into a totally different industry. Um, ideally, you know, I want to do you know similar stuff as to what a uh, Complex Networks has done, except instead of coming from like the news hip hop media side, I'm coming from the sports side and then branching out from there. Nice. Very nice. Well, you answered the question there for me uh, with Cards Nation. Uh, that is your affiliate to Hoops Nation and got some great content on there. So perfect lead in to your card collecting. Uh, when did you start collecting? Uh, first of all, then uh, what do you PC? Yeah, so I started collecting in 2013. Not a bad year to start. Second year of Prism, Giannis rookie year. Um, I was going to shows, buying and selling stuff. Although, you know, back back then, a I didn't I didn't have much. I didn't. I wasn't as focused on the money of it as I was on the collecting of it. And I think 
you know, that's a beautiful thing, but it doesn't bode well for long-term investing collecting. I was, I PC'd Tobias Harris, you know, like I, w- I wish I PC'd LeBron or Giannis back then, <laughs> you know, not, not even, you know, not, not even for the, for the investment side of it, just because that would have been just, just smart in general. But uh, I, I learned a lot of lessons way back then. And then, you know, I took a few years break from it. Uh, it was in later in high school. I didn't have as much time for it. And I was focused on other things. But um, then I got back into it last year, about last summer, last fall in 2019. And whew, it has been more fun than ever. Um, you know, investing and all that stuff aside, it is just so much goddamn fun. And everybody in it is so lovely and 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 great conversations, great people in the hobby. Uh, I think that's that's been the best part about it. But who do I PC now? Uh, last year, at the beginning of this year, I was very, very big on Jaron Jackson and Jackson Hayes. Partially, and I think this is this is something bad on my end. I'm very biased towards people who come on my podcast. Uh-huh. Once somebody comes, once somebody comes on my podcast, I'm like, whew, gotta buy all those rookies now. <laughs> um, but you know, all, all jokes aside, I, I, I've grown to uh, to like vintage and and uh, things outside of basketball. But uh, obviously, the LeBron, Kobe's, Jordans can't can't hurt with those. I think it's time for you, Saucy, just take over here. You, he's mentioned a few things here that have triggered you that you absolutely love, JJJ being the first one. Secondly, Buster's said vintage. Your favorite word when it comes to this hobby is vintage. So, <laughs> Yes, it is. It, it is, Dommer. Uh First of all, Jackson Hayes, uh, look, I, I, I can't save your graces on that one, uh, Buster. I think you uh, if, if you've gone down that road, he might turn out to be something good. But I, I think JJJ, on the other hand, there, there, there's where you've made an absolutely cracking decision because, like myself, I've got quite a few JJJ uh, cards, so I'm not going to say he's bad. But I, I think he could potentially uh, win the most improved player this season. Uh, he was looking to, to, to build on his game. So um, that team there, Memphis, I believe uh, there's no success if uh, JJJ isn't firing. Um, if you've just got Ja Morant, you know, firing, uh, they won't they won't take the next level as a team uh, if you haven't got those two because I feel like they're the two centerpieces in their organization that they're going to try build around. Um, so personally, JJJ, um, uh, I, I think he's uh, he's going to be an absolute elite player. Um, and then the second thing is vintage. Uh, I've been telling people, look, I, I, I love the modern day. I love all the hype around building on into the season uh, and uh, the excitement that it brings. And everyone's so excited, right? And, and I am too. Um, but when it gets to a point where some of these modern day guys start to su- surpass the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Kobe, um, Tim Duncan, um, you know, other guys that have won multiple championships and have, you know, solidified their pay- place in basketball history. Um, that's where I sort of draw the line in the sand and I'll stop buying the Trey Youngs and the, and the, the Jar Morants and the Zions and uh, I'll just start buying only uh, Kobe Bryant, which is pretty much what I've been doing lately, just only buying Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Um, so only the... Yeah. Yeah, only those two guys. And I, I, I've been telling people, I'm like, for the price that people are paying for Trey Young, Luka Doncic, all these guys, um, Kobe Bryant's cards are severely, severely, severely 
uh, underpriced and yep. way too cheap for what he's accomplished and what he's meant to the game of basketball. Um, so, I, look, I pretty much say it on our podcast on a weekly basis. So anyone who listens to our podcast weekly, uh, they'll know that I've been hyping on about this for a while. And I just, I, I just... I just try to inform people, like, don't put all your eggs in the Zion basket or the Jar basket or, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know. Uh, Jar Morant could be the next uh, Russell Westbrook where he just puts up crazy numbers but then it's just no good in the playoffs. Like, you don't know what could happen. Um, you look at Doncic could be the next James Harden where he just puts up numbers and he's seven, eight years into his career and he hasn't won a chip. Then what happens? You know, what happens to his card prices then? So we don't know. And I just keep uh, saying to people, like, think about what if or what what could happen. Um, whereas, you know, you look at a player like Kobe or Shaquille, uh, and there's no what if. It's that's happened. And, you know, you... you, you that's that's where we're that's where we're at in the market, and I just want people right. to be aware of that sort of stuff. I think you made a few great points. One one being, well, I think before I have to preface it with, it all depends on what your intentions are in the hobby, right? Like if you're just collecting for the sake of collecting because you love players, there's nothing I can say or any of us can Correct. say to that's deter true. you from true. buying the players that you love because you love them and it makes you happy. I love that. I think it's. A hell of a lot better than going out and gambling and or going out and, you know, doing something stupid, buying something that depreciates in value like a like a sneaker or something like that. Not, not, no nog on sneakers. I'm just a card guy. Um, but, you know, and then and then to, to the contrary of that, even if you're not an investor in cards, but you're in cards, you should ne- you should always buy things that you think are going to appreciate. Because the alternative is that it depreciates and you lose money. Why not? Why not get stuff that, that's going to perform well long term? But to the modern point, you just got to make sure you don't hold on to your modern for too long. And if you go into it knowing that, you'll be good. You'll be good because as the season goes, as you buy players who's hyper building, if you buy in the offseason, if you buy when players are injured, you buy, you know, buy low, sell high. But be aware of that. Whereas with vintage or guys like Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, Jordan, whomever, Kareem, Will, you know, Bill Russell, you don't have to sell those ever. Those will appreciate for your entire life. And there will be tiny ups and downs just on overall market impact. But you're, you're, you're a lot safer with those. But uh, in terms of modern, you definitely got to be very careful because – uh, you know, like like you were saying before, you got guys who have who have done better than the ceiling of Trey Young, John Morant, Zion Williamson, who are cheaper now after accomplishing what is above the ceiling of these current young guys that we're talking about, who are cheaper than the young guys who we're talking about, who have not yet accomplished it. Part of that is hype. Part of that is people who are, you know, gamblers and investors and are playing on that. And, you know, granted, we're not going to see Bill Russell, unless something crazy happens, go out on the court and put up a 50-point triple-double, whereas we could see that with, with Luca or Trey. I get that. But in terms of being long-term cognizant and safe with your investments, sometimes it does make more sense not to go modern. Definitely. 
we couldn't agree. Agree on, more. agree on that sentiment. John um, definitely yes. went on yes. uh, his massive rant for one reason uh, on a recent podcast was because uh, we understand Kobe and we've got all these vintage vintage players, but one thing that really got on his nerve was that LeBron, who is currently playing, as we know, he's got the four chips and he's probably going to break almost every single record known well that pertain to him in the league he's going to break everything and you can go out there and everyone just looks at that tops chrome uh rookie card and they go oh that's it but john's been trying to tell people there's other lebron rookie cards and there's different variants that are more affordable but to the problem of they're more affordable but yet a modern day guy is worth more than lebron and he's just both of us, I still can't believe you can actually go out there and buy a different variant of LeBron in a rookie card. You can get a LeBron refractor rookie for like four grand. Like yeah, four high grade numbered refractor rookie. I probably shouldn't have said that because now they're all going to be gone, but too late. <laughs> but look, <laughs> the Buster effect, <laughs> we love it. But it's literally, it's so true. Uh, it's it's yeah. mind-boggling. Uh, like yeah. we said... It is expensive, but it's cheap, if it makes sense. Like, you're going and, like you're saying, a LeBron refractor high graded for like four grand. That's actually cheap because he's currently playing. Wait till he's not playing anymore. Look at Jordan. Bro, he's so right. like, yeah. uh, I just don't get It's actually cheap. It could and be we, we, nine, we just can... $10,000. But you got to look at that Wayne Gretzky card. Like, we, we spoke about the OPG one. That was 10 grand, 15 grand. Like early, early last year, was and it then, really? It was that yeah. low, and wow. then it's selling for a million dollars. So it's because the card boom. Yeah, I get it, but like LeBron's playing. Why don't you collect him now? Once he's finished, like the price is going to go through the roof, and yeah. no, no one's going to be able to afford him. The so f- why don't we get him? Like I think, like it's exactly to what you're saying, Buster. Your point exactly. They come in. Some are investing, they want to make a quick dollar, so they flip the cards quickly. So they're all collecting modern-day guys because of the hype. And then yeah. some, of, some of them are just collecting some vintage guys because they're like, yeah, we've got them there. But then they jump back on and collect modern-day players and flip them for the hype. Then the third option is a lot of people are new to the hobby, and the only thing that they know how to do is buy and flip or just PC modern-day players. And because they're just PCing modern-day players – and they really, really want Luca and Trey, that's why the prices are skyrocketing because it's like that's the guy they want to PC because they've grown up watching these guys. So you know, it's, it's it's funny. The hobby, the longer you're – you guys have obviously been in for a long time. Um, the longer you're in the hobby, the more you see these things uh, you know, happen, the risks of modern guys. Like my, my favorite example is Andrew Wiggins. There was a point in time – where an Andrew Wiggins Prism Rookie Auto was more expensive than a Michael Jordan autograph. Wow. 2014, you go to any card show, a Wiggins is 400, a Jordan's 300. Insanity. And that's why it's dangerous to PC modern young guys who haven't established themselves because you could be left with nothing. It's true. Uh, just don't. <laughs> the words of wisdom are: don't put all your eggs in one basket for modern day players. Just diversify. It's like a portfolio. Think of it like a portfolio. Diversify. And like we've said before, not to say don't 
collect modern day players, just don't look at them as the heavy, heavy investment. Get like your Zions and your Jars, keep the yeah. best two that you've got and just go, yep, that's the ones I want for my PC for down the track as the 10 year investment into them. But the rest of them, don't just sit on them and be like, oh, I've got a thousand Zion cards and he's going to be so and so. But you don't know. The only time it's acceptable to put all your eggs in one basket is if they're not playing. Meaning, if you buy at the beginning of the offseason and you sell before they play a game, that is yeah. the only time that is okay. So the, the advice is if you've uh, just bought Taylor and Horton Tucker, please uh, sell them before the 22nd of uh, December because he's not going to be getting minutes like he is in preseason games because uh, LeBron and AD will actually play. I don't think people have realized that uh, they're the two cornerstones of that Lakers team. <laughs> So they're going to get all the minutes. What do you mean, Doma? Yeah. What, what, what are you talking about? Taylor Horton Tucker is the is the savior of the Lakers franchise. Yeah. He's going to lead him. us to back-to-back chips. He's going to lead us to back-to-back chips. What are you talking about? Taylor another... Horton Tucker is the goat. Like, you're sounding like Bull Bull's agent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I but generally, he's a great player. The Bull Bull Effect 2.0. The Bull Bull Effect 2.0. That was a mess. I got a buddy who had like 15k in the bull bull in like January, and I I think he made out pretty well when that happened. But that 15k turned into like 150k overnight if he had exited all of it. Crazy. It's insane. That's a those are definitely the the rewards you can reap as a collector. Like if things like that happen, but that's exactly like you're saying. You just don't. Yeah, you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, you just don't know at all. Uh, just to finish off with that question there, do you remember the first card you ever bought or ripped? First pack you ever ripped? I actually have a good story about this. I oh. uh, I bought a 2013-14 Titanium Basketball, my favorite product to this date because it's the it was the first I ever got. I I was leaving school. I had twenty. I had like twenty twenty to thirty dollars to spend at a card shop back when card shops existed. And uh, I walked all the way across. I, I went to school in Brooklyn. I walked all the way across the Brooklyn Bridge um, because the card shop was in Manhattan. I went in. I got one pack because they were $20 a pack at the time. Now they're like 150 bucks a pack. But And each pack was guaranteed an auto or a jersey card. And I, I didn't open it until I got all the way back home, opened it, I got a, a dual Kobe jersey card, and I was the happiest, number to two ninety nine. Like you can probably get that card for a hundred dollars now, but um, I was very, I was a very happy camper that day. Yeah, very nice. Uh, that's, I just love the fact that you're paying twenty dollars for a packet. So <laughs> that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> like, in what world are we getting that ever again? Probably never. But <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> but that's awesome. Uh, NBA cards, we know you collect. What are the few other things that you like to collect? You've got a nice niche collection there as well, as we know that you collect Pokemon too. So just a bit of an insight in the rest of your collection, what you like to dabble yeah, so I'm a big Pikachu guy. I have uh, P- P- it's My real PC is probably Pikachu um, because he's that... Uh, that legendary guy that can't go out and tear an ACL or get yes. a DUI or say something political. <laughs> He's Pikachu's good. He just Pikachu goes, Pika, Pika. That's that's all he says. 
That's all he, he said. He's not he's not saying any any anything crazy. Uh, but um, I really like him because he's although Charizard is the king of Pokemon and sells for the most extraordinary amounts, low pop and all that. Pikachu is the most underrated guy in, in Pokemon, and I like I said. I have I have to preface everything I say about a card with the fact that I own a lot of them. So I have so much interest in saying that it's a great buy or card. So I have to disclose that. But um but I really like Pikachu because, you know, for for I like Pokémon in general for a couple of reasons. One being the game launched in 1999. So kids that were collecting then are now entering their financial prime. They're in their 30s, their 40s now, late 20s maybe. Um and they have money they didn't back then. So now a lot of those collectors, and they also have kids. So a lot of those collectors are now going back and getting some of the cards and things that they could never have as a kid and buying graded versions and buying them as investments as part of this new alternative investment class. Um, so that's one of the reasons I like I like Pokemon and Pikachu in particular because he is in the movies. He is more well-known. He is Halloween costumes every year. He is all these different things and just beloved, um, you know, in addition to the fact that we have 25th anniversary coming up. You got new influencers hopping in, way more influencer, big time, like celebrities hopping into Pokemon than into sports cards from what I've seen. Um, you know, you got like rappers like Logic and Logan Paul doing a 20 million view live stream break and things like that really pu pushing the market there pretty drastically and up and down, but like anything uh, up overall. Um, and then beyond that, my collection is very, very odd. You would think I'm probably a crazy person given how many different things I can, like. I I buy presidential autographs, so I have probably 15 different president signatures and you know, always in the market for those. Just uh, I love the history, and you know, for some guys, the population is actually pretty low on on some of that stuff. And the history there is so cool. Like in in the league, in the NBA, you have you know four hundred players every year. They go in and out and out. For the country of the United States, you got one guy in the whole league, and that only changes at minimum every four years. So that, that's really intense stuff. Um, so I like that. I buy business cards, signed business cards of really great entrepreneurs and uh, celebrities and things like that. My favorite's probably probably got to be Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. I yes. got I got of those. Nice. Um, you, you can find those out there. Um, but I got a, a few other team owners and, and things like that. Given the low population and the rise of the card boom, given that it is a business card um it's it's pretty cool and they're all authenticated by psa dna and, and things like that what else do i buy sealed boxes obviously um you you got to that's the safest investment in the whole game uh not as fun but safe and i also Morning don't like tennis goats what about what's tennis? up tennis yep got tennis got tennis got you know all sorts of random stuff federer PSA 10 2003 net pro rookie got some signed ones too big big tennis guy I can't even remember everything I, I collect I, a lot of sealed packs from random years oftentimes when I those see Roger Federer is going at 375 so if you got in early you'd be laughing because at one point there they were going for like close to 100 bucks I'm pretty sure when I looked at them quite a while ago yeah they they were really cheap um but uh, but yeah, one of the things that I do like to do, so for example, right now, um, you know, I'm looking at a few rookies, I'm not, I'm not going to say who, but uh, from past years, and 
Uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking more so than just buying their rookie card. I'm thinking about buying the boxes and packs that they came in, like old, you know, pre pre Panini, um, because it's it's a way to diversify your investment a little bit while still being particular. Like if you really liked um, Kobe, you could buy a '96 sealed Chrome pack for less than a PSA 10 Kobe. Holds the possibility of anything, but it's still diversified because he wasn't the only guy, you know. So I, I think there is there is a plus to to looking at uh, at that in a sort of different direction. But I got business cards of candidates of presidents of. All, all sorts of different things. I, I've got celebrity autographs. I think the other day I said this on another podcast, but I bought like twenty Kylie Jenner autographs just for no reason. Uh, I thought they were twenty dollars. <laughs> I cleaned off eBay for them, twenty dollars each. I'm like, huh, twenty dollars. She never signs, and she has two hundred million followers or whatever she has. That seems like a really, really good buy. Somebody wants these, so why don't I get them all graded and? You know, throw them back out in the right places. Um, very and small, very very small thing. So I I like doing that. It's so not about the money. It is so about the fun of it and being able to like share these stories and have these conversations. So that's that's why I like doing those random ones. But but yeah, man, just so much fun. All of it. I love it. Uh, I like it. There's a few things there. Uh, the presidential uh, collection. I really. I'm interested in something like that, for especially in your collection. You are not just owning a signature. It's also a piece of history from your country, which is awesome. That's actually something that's fantastic. That, that's the way I view it. People might look at it and go, oh, it's weird. I'll be like, nah. And you've had how many presidents? 50, is it 54 presidents? Is it 50? Uh, 40, 46, I 46, sorry. 46 presidents. So you've got to think about that. In the history of your country, there's only been 46 signatures like obviously multiple times, but only 46 people have signed as a president of the United States. So that's that, not even a full football team. Correct. So that there is just like a piece of history in itself, which I reckon is absolutely awesome. Uh, I like the ones about celebrities in terms of like even business cards, Phil Knight. That's awesome. I don't know if you've got any Warren Buffett in there. I don't know, but Warren, the, Warren Buffett is so expensive. That's like, a ten thousand dollar signed business card there you go so it is yeah. transitioning into that side of things as well uh the kylie jenner is a very very smart purchase in my opinion uh i agree with you she's I'm got investing she's yeah. she's a very smart woman but on top of that with that large 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 group of people following her uh you're gonna get people out of that 200 million people following kylie that will go gangbusters and it's a type of following that would pay absolutely anything to get a piece oh. of her memorabilia. So one of those, if those 200 million people knew that these existed, they would want them. Well, if they knew they existed, you wouldn't have them. That's they, the way I look at yeah. it. I wouldn't you be wouldn't, able to afford them. I can't compete. Yeah. You would not be able, you would not have them full stop. As simple as that. Uh, the other one, obviously Charizard is King Pikachu. Uh, John and I are both born in 93, so we grew up with Pokemon. It was such a massive part of our uh, childhood uh, and growing up. And the fact that it's still going strong now, I'm looking probably five, ten years down the track, 
my kids are probably going to be playing Pokemon. So that's the scary thing. It's unbelievable. Not for anything, all of us here, it was literally we were trailblazers for that type of, for, for that product, really, for, for Pokemon totally. itself. We're part of its success. Uh, Pikachu is the icon. I, I know Charizard's king, as you said, but Pikachu is, like you said, the Halloween costume. He is the poster boy. Pikachu is the poster boy of Pokemon. Everything, when there's festivals in Japan, uh, in my opinion, Pikachu is extremely undervalued because he, I don't know if it's because they've circulated so many of his cards because he is so popular, but I think your best bets with Pikachu, if you do want to get into collecting, obviously collect the ones that you really like because there's some really cool uh, Pikachu art cards out there. But, um, Obviously, old school red cheek, yellow cheek Pikachu, but promo Pikachus. If you can pick up the promo Pikachus, they're the ones you have to go for. All products like Vivid Voltage, uh, they've got the full art rainbow rare Pikachu. Like cards like that of the newer stuff, they're the ones you want to collect. But the promo cards are the ones. I found that out in the flukiest way known to man. Uh, I bought a couple of those uh, Japanese Pikachu, uh, it was Charizard X and Y poncho box sets from Japan in like 2016. And I had them stored away. And John was doing a live stream one night on his Instagram page. And he goes, oh, pull out your Pokemon cards. I was on this on our double coverage account. And we're talking to people and I'm flicking through. And I go, oh, I got these four pro, uh, well, sorry, is it six promos? Because you get two just, base Pikachu promos out of there as well, which are really cool looking cards as well. They've got the Pokemon Center, Pokemon stamp of authentication on there, which are awesome. But then the Poncho Pikachus, I pulled them out and John was like, what are those? And I'm like, oh, just some Pikachu promo card. Anyway, I looked at the price. I almost fell out of my chair. They were raw prices. And I was like, this is surely not, this is not real. But their first edition as well, they got promo on there. I just want to ask you, I think we put into existence, like talking to yourself, but we haven't really said it much, but I think Japanese is severely, severely underrated. People are forgetting, like uh, the perfect example is Evolutions. Uh, it came out in 2016 or 2015. The same, it's, it's just a print run of the Japanese set that was the 25th anniversary box. Everyone that collected the English version was told, oh, it was it was like they got duped, really. It's like, oh, this is the 25th anniversary pack for the English release. There has not been one box set that said 25th anniversary, on a 20th anniversary, sorry, at the time, on the box, nothing. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's a base set reprint. This is the 20th anniversary box. Well, it's not. It's just Evolutions. You have to go get the Japanese box. Fortunately enough, I've got it. But it's, and I got, and I ripped it. And people might say, oh, you're crazy ripping it. But I pulled the Charizard, so I don't really care. Hey, let's go. So, and the thing is, that product is first edition. There's no more English print run first editions that are in existence, only Japanese. So I don't understand how an Evolutions Charizard, I understand it's in an English, uh, English print could be worth more than the exact same Charizard that's from a 20th anniversary box has first edition on it 
and the printing is in Japanese because John and I's theory is you're collecting the card for the card. You're not going out there to play with it, like in a tournament. So everyone that goes, yeah, but you know, everyone collects it because they use it in tournaments. No, like, let's be realistic. I don't want to try and get people upset, but when you're collecting Pokemon cards and you're an avid collector you're, and you get graded cards, you're not going to Pokemon tournaments and dropping graded cards in your deck when you're playing. Let, let's be re- realistic. Like, yeah, imagine you like, you had your whole, every single card in your deck was deck graded. graded. Your, your deck would pile up like this yeah. side on the table. Yeah, I think those, I think those days are behind us. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. So anyone and complete disclaimer, through- I've collected Pokemon cards from a young age and I have never, ever played the TCG game. Ever in my once in my whole life. Yeah, me neither. So, so my, my whole thing is very undervalued. I just want to know your thoughts on the Japanese prints, considering this first edition still out there, but people sleeping on it. I don't know they're sleeping on it, and they're not saying it like us. But. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I think uh, you know the fact that you can buy packs from pre-US launch, you know, from 1996, sealed packs for cheaper than you can buy a box from 2016. I think that's ludicrous. I think that's an easy opportunity there. But again, it's um, it's not a matter, like our logic can be sound on tons yeah, of investments. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's what is, what was the demand? People like the English cards um, because they can read them. You know, people, cards, cards, you know, you hear it all the time, but it really is like art and you want to be able to understand the art uh, you know, you can't you can't just Google. Tra- you could theoretically, but you don't Google Translate your your Japanese Pokemon cards. So that it takes That's a hit true. there. But in terms of long term value, it's all just a holding your breath contest, right? It's how I bu- I let's say I buy a first edition Charizard. How long can I sit on this through the ups, through the downs? How long am I okay with not having any money out of it? And whoever holds holds out the longest wins. But the thing is, there is no longest because it's a never-ending race. Um, so you really got to just move move how you want. But in terms of investing in the Japanese cards, I think it's a great buy. The hype's just not there. But could it be one day? Maybe. But that yeah. that's not for, for me to decide, you know? Definitely. Definitely. But, yeah, like you said, it is a holding your breath contest. And time will tell, I guess, with all that stuff there. But interesting collection. Awesome that you could give... Uh, some insight into it which is uh, fantastic we'll move on to some sport talk uh we'll relate it back to the hobby if you if you want to but uh what are your thoughts on the upcoming nba season uh and who do you think will take their game to another level well i think i think the knicks are winning the title <laughs> um, Toppin, how did i know team. how did i know you were gonna go with that <laughs> no, I, I think i think the lakers are gonna repeat um, yep. I don't think any. I don't think that even the healthy Brooklyn Nets are going to stop the Lakers. Uh, LeBron's going to get number five, and that's going to be that. I'm excited to see what else goes on, though. I'm happy Giannis re-signed in Milwaukee. Um, yep. you know, I, I like I, I you know to to the Knicks in all seriousness. I like the our young our new young rookie Obi Toppin. I think he's a stud. Um, but in in terms of you know who's going to be making big jumps, I don't think any team's going to be making a crazy jump. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a Miami Heat like we did last year come out of nowhere. I think it's probably going to be the Nets and the Lakers in the finals with the Lakers winning uh, and LeBron or or maybe Anthony Davis winning finals MVP. But uh, I do think we'll see a lot of individual stars break out, and I think that'll make it a very fun season for the card market. Definitely. Uh, 
anyone you think in particular that could be that one that breaks out? Uh, Zion aside, considering Jared Zion's, Jackson. <clears throat> Jared Jackson. <clears throat> considering yeah, Zion's not going to have restrictions, so he's, John, we know he's going to. Yeah. John said Jaron Jackson. I'm, I'm going to second that. Uh, yeah, we got to get, get him back. <laughs> I'm going to start him. getting some of these JJJ cards. But again, you know, I, I think it's important. You know, uh, I, I back in in like March, February, I was cool. With, I would always tell people like, yeah, yeah, I like this guy, I like that guy. Now I realized, regardless of what I say, somebody's going to either make money or lose money. And if they lose money, they're going to blame me. And if they make money, they're going to want more from me. It's a lose-lose, no matter who I say. Uh, fair enough. That is fair enough. Um, we've gone Lakers, both of us. We actually met with the boys at Talking Cardboard and did a bit of a season preview. Um, and we all went Lakers unanimously, which was, which was interesting. Uh, I think... We're more looking into that Brooklyn dynamic to see how it's actually going to work. Uh, I think they've got two great plays there. I just we, we hope there's no drama within that locker room that derails them. That's the thing that we want that we don't want to see, although it will be very exciting like and it gives uh, people something to talk about. We don't want to see it. We'd rather the talking point with Brooklyn be that they're just destroying everyone in the east because they're that good so that's the talking point we want there. And the other thing was uh, very interesting uh, was obviously Giannis staying, but also where James Harden's going to land. Is he going to eventually move on from the West and come play for Philly in the East? That could change the dynamic there again. It's just so many variables. And like you're saying, there could be so many guys that look like they're on the bubble about to just burst straight through it. So, uh, we're just as excited as you are for the, for the hobby, but also for the NBA season to get going. So I think it's going to be a whirlwind of a season. 72 games in your face, like just going 100 million miles an hour from the get-go. It so, is, it is. There's back-to-backs. There's the, there's uh, less, a uh, lot more back-to-backs this season than there was last season. And yeah, it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, your thoughts on... Uh, I know I'm putting you in this spot here because it's a, you just mentioned the lose lose situation, but the draft class. You don't if you don't want to put any picks like out there, you don't have to. But the draft class in general, because it's copped a bit of heat in terms of like, oh, it's going to be terrible. We've looked at it completely different. We just said the kids didn't get the opportunity to get broadcasted nationally because of COVID. That's that's the issue. Not that they're terrible players. Like you can't not kids when you haven't seen them play and they're not for anything since the draft till preseason because a lot of them are balling out in preseason. So many people have changed their tune and gone, oh, these kids are actually good. So it's like just... There is is no such thing as a bad draft class. Correct. Thank you. There you go. Every, Every bust has its hero. 2013 was a bust draft class. Until Giannis was the best player in the last five years. 2014 was a bust. All of a sudden, there are like 10 guys out of there who are hot. 2017 was a bust. Until Jason Tatum became the star of the class. Uh, you could, we could do this game all day long. 100%. You know? 100%. I just think yeah. um, it, they didn't get the, obviously... No one did this year, unfortunately, but they didn't get what uh, they deserved from what kids in college got. Obviously, 
the years prior to them in terms of like March Madness. They didn't get that opportunity. Uh, everyone's so high on the mellow ball because when everyone wasn't playing college, he was playing here in Australia. So there was footage of him. So my whole thing's like you can't go based off footage and say, like I'm not knocking Lamello at all. I'm just saying you can't say because you've got footage on one guy, he's the best and everyone's terrible just because you've got vision. It's the same thing with Wiseman. We spoke about the fact that he was heads and shoulders the best player to come out of the draft, according to everyone. Then he got suspended. He wasn't playing. So everyone forgot about him. Then he came back and he played two games. And then we went into COVID. So then Wiseman was like, nobody was high on him. But because when it came to the draft, they're like, yeah, the, he probably goes at two. But right. they were saying he was going to be unanimously, oh, he's gone number one. No one at all in this draft class is going to be better than him. Well, he didn't play for whatever it was, six weeks, 12 weeks, yeah, through his suspension. Everyone forgot about him. Like, short-term memory is not great. Like, you got to just be, just do your research. It's not just in the card game, but just with sports in general because you can look like an absolute uh, deal coming out and just putting crap out there. And you sound you sound like an idiot saying, oh, the draft class is stupid. And then you watch preseason games, and you're like, oh, Coro is the best player and Denny Avija scored, uh, was uh, running at 100% field goal percentage, so he's the best. And He's and, great. I like him. Yeah, but, but people are going to turn around to you and say, but didn't you say this draft class was terrible? Like, let, let's be realistic. I, I completely agree with you what you were saying with previous draft classes, but I always go back to just the draft class before this one. We had definitively Jar and Zion. We knew they were going to be something as the prospects, like they could be superstars. They could have been a bust, who knows, but they were the two guys out of that draft. You go talk to people that were in the, like scouts and stuff knew certain players were going to be good and whatnot in that draft. But how many people out there, if you genuinely go to them, just the average Joe and just say, listen, did you think that Sekou Dumboya, Rui Hachimura, Tyler Harrow, like all these guys were going to be good? If anyone says, yeah, yeah, I knew that, I knew that. No, you didn't. Like, they were killing it, and that's where you went and collected their cards. If you knew it, you would have got them before the season even started, like Zion and Jar. So this is the whole thing. That draft class, if it wasn't for Jar, like Jar and Zion, was like a whatever draft, in my opinion. You look at it in the same view as this draft. And they got a March Madness. So that's why I just give them a break. They're just kids as well. And, in the end of the day, and they haven't shown anything yet because not for anything, as you know, the jump from college to the pros is massive. And some that kill it in the in college can't transition into the into the NBA style of gameplay. It's just totally no, it's super true. I also just quick, I want to do, I want to give a heads up just in case you have any specific things you want to get to. I do have to run in four minutes. No, so I just want to give you on. a. Uh, nice. That's all good. We've got our last question right now anyway. Uh, the last question is, I know your disclaimer again, but any hidden gems for people in the in the hobby or products that are a hidden gem? Hidden. Like, yeah, that you think, oh, yeah, good investment. Uh, I think presidents. Presidents are a hidden gem. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, John F. Kennedy, uh, Obama, um, 
Biden's overpriced now, but there there are a bunch of you know semi modern affordable presidents out there that I think are super under undervalued. If you're buying the right things, though, definitely do like everything. You got to do a lot of research before you put any money into it. Correct. Um, you know they say six weeks research before you buy your first card. Very hard to do. Usually you need to buy the card to get into it, but I think that's a good rule of thumb if you can do it. In terms of products, sealed wax prism. If you can get any prism sealed ever, buy it. If you're buying it at market value, pretty much, um, yeah, those those will be those will be my my little sneaky guys. But uh, again, buy PSA ten Prism rookies of the guys you love, and you'll do pretty you'll do pretty good. Nice, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Buster. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, like we said, most a bit of a milestone for us getting you on. Uh, it was someone that we strive to get on this show, yeah, yourself. So it's awesome. We look to hopefully collaborate further in the future. hundred percent. It was a milestone for me too. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy I was able to make it. Happy to hear it. All right. That's been Dom, John and Buster. Keep living, loving and breathing sports. It's double coverage. Peace. Peace out, ladies and gents. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to leave a review on the Apple podcasting app. Also follow us on socials. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Talking all spots. Double curve.